Before we start this month's ramble, a huge thank you to all of Field's Patreon supporters. They make each episode and every issue possible. If you'd like to get involved, just search Fieldzine on Patreon where a pledge of £3 a month will make all the difference. That's half the price of Netflix or Amazon and at least double the karma. So next up is a conversation I've been looking forward to having for so long. Wendy Erskine needs very little introduction. Author of two incredible collections, Sweet Home and Dance Move, she's an unbelievable storyteller and my go-to whenever anyone asks for a book recommend. She's often mentioned in the same breath as her home East Belfast, so I started by asking her if writing had changed her relationship with the city. I don't know if it actually has, Sam. I don't know if it actually has changed my relationship with the place all that, all that much. Um, I suppose I'm just quite a... I'm, I'm quite a nosy person and I suppose in some ways as well I would have to say I'm probably a reasonably observant person and so I think long before I ever would have been writing I probably would have been quite observant in relation to the place where um where I where I live but I don't suppose that um I don't suppose that that's really changed all that much whenever I have been whenever I've been writing. What is strange sometimes is is how other people maybe interact with me in this particular place. So say for example, in the first collection, I've got that story about Gil Courtney, the sort of the non-existent um, sort of pop star monkey person. And uh, I remember I was waiting at a bus stop one time and as I, as I was waiting at the bus stop, a neighbour of mine that I would that I would see now and again, um, he walked past and said um, something like, "You'll be waiting for that bus as long as you'll be waiting for a Gil Courtney comeback," <laughs> um, and that was that was really funny because the, the, I hadn't I hadn't even seen the bus. That's typical of me. I hadn't even seen that buses had been cancelled that day or something or other. Um, so that's that's kind of a strange thing whenever in 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 some ways these fictional characters from a particular place become part of a kind of a dialogue that you have with somebody in that particular place so suppose there's that dimension i suppose as well i think my sensibility is my sensibility and i almost see the same things no matter what place you ever take me to so i always (laughs) you know even if you took me to some absolutely superb five star plus hotel i'm probably going to notice something like where the um you know the sale and the tiles isn't quite right or you know notice people in the in the restaurant that i think are are, are bitching about the about the customers um in this really kind of you know um in this really kind of low-key way or whatever so i'm all i'm always going to be alert to things like that no matter no matter where i uh, where i am so suppose my sensibility just goes with me for better or worse wherever it is i i go i think i'm going to quote you back at yourself now wendy there was all a- right well <laughs> <laughs> i've done that to people and they say i never said that and you kind of <laughs> want to out and say well actually do you know you did but it's the Irish times <laughs> all right okay okay hopefully they've yeah not been mischievous yeah okay <laughs> so it's just a phrase that you used which really struck me it was about the um 
you were talking about short stories as the communicative currency in everyday life. And I think one of the things that really strikes me when I read your work is this like this real love of language and the way people talk. Could you talk? Could you expand a bit on on that phrase about the communicative currency? Yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes short stories are are regarded as this very kind of rarefied thing, or there's that whole kind of sort of short story arcana words that are always applied to it, like pristine and, you know, not a word out of place, super polished. And in some ways, that's quite off-putting for people because they think it's such, and it is a technical thing, it is a demanding technical thing. But at the same time, I suppose, Sam, what I was saying was that we all do this every single day of our lives. I mean, you could say that our lives are just what we we convert our whole experience just into a series of stories to be to be told to, to people and so i kind of i kind of think that that's just how if you go to a bar or you go to a coffee shop or whatever you meet friends you, you basically just trade these these stories um but i suppose yeah what i'm really interested in is 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 people's is people's is the language that people use when they're telling stories. And I suppose as well, the way in which, even if it's just people talking in a bar or whatever, the way they construct their their stories too, in terms of, um, you know, maybe prefacing what they're going to say with something like, you're never gonna believe this, and then rolling back in terms of time to way, way earlier on, um, or else, you know, converting to the present tense, I suppose that's the thing as well that people do quite a lot. I know I do that when I'm telling a story because I'll end up going, so I say blah, 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 or, and then he says blah, 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 even though this is this this is something that happened a couple of weeks before. Um, so there's that dimension. And I suppose I'm quite alert as well to what what people are, what people are, are saying in the spaces, um, in, in the gaps and silences or, even just like a, a very innocuous little phrase, maybe what it's saying about a relationship. So say, for example, one that I use all the time, it's probably my, my favorite, I think, in, in terms of something I've heard someone say, was whenever I was at a, I was at a shopping center, Sam, and I was, I don't drive, but for some reason I was standing at the, at the, the place where you get the, the tickets um, for, the, for the car park. And the woman in front of me had a child with a really beautiful handmade cardigan, you know, of the type that you just don't ever really get these days, with beautiful handmade cardigan. And I said to her, where would you, where do you get a cardigan like that? And it's beautiful. And she said, oh, her other granny knitter that. And as soon as I heard that, I just thought, wow, I am getting such a little insight into your family dynamic. Your mom is the main granny and this other woman is kind of peripheral, her other granny knitter that. So I suppose, you know, sometimes people look at my dialogue and kind of think, oh, what's a big deal about that? You know, it, it just seems totally kind of on the down low. It seems really prosaic or something or, or casual. But there's quite a lot of work gone into it in terms of trying to reveal things about people or trying to suggest things in um, in in a way that is really hopefully hopefully you know quite quite nuanced. One of the things that I really wanted to ask you about, Wendy, was about I guess for want of a better phrase, circularity within a story. I was thinking particularly of stories like "To All Their Jews" or uh, "Buildings Roman," where mm-hmm. things don't come full circle but they kind of come really close 
and mm. there's a real balancing act in that. Could you could you talk about crafting that a bit, please? Yeah, so suppose something, Sam, that I am drawn to as a kind of a shape of a story is something that's essentially quite, as you say, quite, quite circular. I think I do use that a lot. And um, I suppose in some ways it goes against a little bit, maybe that sort of short story lore that I was talking about early on, where maybe there's some sort of de development or movement that, you know, someone makes a discovery or there's some kind of epiphany that there's some sort of point of, of change and some sort of development then as a, as a result of that, probably quite late on in the story, three quarters of the way through or whatever, that this, this magical thing occurs. And in some ways, I just don't find that very realistic. You know, and I know realism isn't everything. Um, in some ways, realism can be very limiting. But but for me, that's something that I'm interested in. I'm interested in thinking, how does this operate in real life? How many people are having these epiphanies all the time? How many people are moving to the next level in the equivalent of their lives of the short story, you know, three quarters of the way through or whatever? Um, I just don't think it occurs. And to me, something that seems more... Um, it seems more mimetic, I suppose you would say, is whenever you have people basically just having to carry on as they were, you know, things happen, they have an impact, but there's no miraculous change. Um, there's no sort of alchemy there whatsoever. All that occurs is that you just have to, you experience, and then you just have to, you just have to continue. Um, and you're continuing in the knowledge that something, something happened, but you, are still on the same on the same path. So for me, it, it seems it's 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 a kind of a I, I suppose an aesthetic stance in some ways, or an artistic stance, maybe is a better word. Um, in in the sense that it, it's it disputes this this idea of the the transformational nature of some short stories, and it's also as well, I suppose, a kind of a a thing relating to whatever very similitude whatever where i think that's more how life works out for people i was really really keen that both of the both of the collections finished with a story like that so as you say that one the soul is no skin barry has all these things happen and barry just has to keep on going um and the same thing is true at secrets bonita beach which is the one that concludes um dance move it's the same idea someone has an incredibly complicated relationship and has all sorts of unresolved issues, but what they have to do is just keep on going. And keeping on going is not being presented there as an absolute um, cop out or negative or, or whatever. It's it's just the way things. It's just the way things are, you know. And I suppose in some ways it's admirable. It's just a form of stoicism too that you just have to keep keep on trucking. Do you do you um, land on that quite quickly when you're planning a story, or do you have to? Row back on the ending a bit. No, that's a good that's a good question because my answer to the previous question would give you the impression that this is all quite strategic and this is all quite schematic and I'm there going from the beginning right okay so I'm going to do something that's going to work counter to prevailing ideas or whatever and it's actually not really like that so I may be misrepresenting that there. The way it nearly always works for me, Sam, is that. Um, I begin with a really, really long first draft. So something like that Secrets Bonita would have been maybe 20,000 words or so at the at the beginning. And I don't know where it's going. I genuinely do not know where it's going. And I just write and it's lovely. That's, that's, the, that's the most sort of exhilarating part for me of, of 
the whole process of writing a story, don't know where it's going. I would be shifting perspective all over the place. I would be, um, you know, just just writing from different characters, points of view, moving moving all through different points of time, having a, all trying out all different settings, and maybe even moving just to like bullet points in some in some places. So if it's sort of a bit that I just want to get through quickly, and then what I need to do is read that really long first draft back and decide what is there there that's actually of interest and quite a lot of the time what what i thought it was going to be about it's not and vice and vice versa um in terms of say for example something that i thought was really central is actually peripheral something that was peripheral should really really be central and so at at that point i suppose i start thinking about the um the ending and thinking about the shape of it and you know claire kagan who i really like talks about where you make the incision in time and to me like uh, the beginning and the ending of a story are sort of like the most artificial parts of it because that's where you're at the very beginning you're asking somebody to break off from the real world and enter your your fictive world and at the end you're also as well asking them to withdraw it's like a ne- I always think it's a bit like a needle it's like a needle going into your arm you can feel it a bit it's a bit sore when once it in you don't feel it and then you feel it again when it's been taken out. So it's that that type of idea. So I suppose I'm always thinking, where do you make the incision in time at the beginning to get it started? And then where do you decide to leave it? And I suppose I'm always quite open to the idea of that circularity, the idea of a sort of a, a stasis, that that's absolutely okay, that there does not necessarily need to be this big money shot uh, epiphany at at some point at all. Your and your characters are emerging at the same time in that process. Or are you going in with an idea of okay, I've got this this character. I just don't know where they're headed. Yeah. So so yeah. So that's it. I've got. I always start. Well, what normally happens is there's something that that triggers a kind of an a triggers an idea. Um, so say, for example, what I've been thinking about recently is just how I always get so nervous when I'm going through security at the at an airport, even though I know there's nothing I need to be nervous about. I mean, the way I got on, you would, you would think that I was some sort of, you know, mule or something. There's nothing <laughs> for me to be worried about, but I always am. And I was kind of thinking about that as a as an idea and um as a as a just the just watching you know those rollers when your bag comes through and there's the rollers that are going to divert it to the to the left hand side and just looking i was just looking at how quickly or slowly those rollers actually move and it started to get me thinking about an old woman who is going to a garden festival but they like chelsea flower show or something but they find something in her bag um and that that so that initial thing of the airport then will trigger for me a character and i won't write about the person initially i'll just keep thinking about them and thinking about them and thinking about them probably for a month um before i put pen to paper so i'm just almost getting to know them and it sounds really it sounds really mystic meg it sounds really ridiculous and kind of like it's if you're trying to raise these these people in some sort of a cult you know jamboree or whatever but um it 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 is trying to rather than rather than have these people with a sort of list of ingredients that i have decided on let these people kind of create themselves as a, as it were and then once i start writing i'm getting to know them more and more and more 
And quite often by the end of that first draft, I look back and see how they are at the beginning. It's just not how they are at the end at all because they've just been coming into view so much better. And sometimes I'll maybe have had a bit of an idea about what a character um, might do. And it's almost as if that they assert themselves and say, no, don't, don't, that, that's not going to work. I, I, I'm not going to do that. You know, that is not something that I would ever consider in any universe and um, getting involved in. So no, it's not working. Um, and I like that when it happens, because if I ever try and write something that is quite sort of plot driven, um, it, I don't think it's, I just don't think it works all, all that well. And um, if you trust the characters themselves, they will, um, they will actually lead you to a better story. But obviously, like, you know, it's not that I do think that those these voices are speaking to me. I actually don't think that. I mean, I, I do know in the sense that I'm completely in, in control here. I, I do feel that. Some people don't feel that, but I, I do I do feel that. But at the same time, I mean that's the that's the power, I suppose you would say, the the magic of 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 art really isn't it that you sometimes feel that there's something something that's happening that's almost beyond you and that's quite magical many of your characters wendy they experience bouts of loneliness or isolation and mm -hmm. is that that's something that you pursue with your characters at times i yeah i mean it's it's really interesting isn't it to think what sort of people do I, do I or does anybody choose to choose to 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 write about? And I suppose you know I'm just not interested in life success stories. If if you know what I mean, I'm just not really interested in people who have got you know incredibly satisfying relationships or incredibly satisfying jobs or who feel fully integrated into the into the into the group. Um, I suppose, you know, if you took me along to a party, it would be exactly the same sort of thing that I would kind of be looking around and thinking who feels a wee bit ill at ease here, because that's probably who I want to talk to. Or um, who's the person whose eye I can catch and kind of roll my eyes at like, gosh, can you believe this? Some of these people are awful, aren't they? You know, that's probably who I'm going to be drawn to talk to rather than the, the you know, the, the super popular people holding court or whatever. So it, it's probably just a just something that I am I'm interested in. But I suppose as well, what I also feel, um, Sam, if I'm being honest, is probably I, I kind of think that in a sense, a, a lot of this is kind of fairly universal i do kind of believe that i mean i've quoted this before you know that share thing is so corny you know sooner or later we all sleep alone i ultimately think that ev everybody ends up on their own one way or another or everybody has got an inner life that they that other that they do not want other people to access or that they feel that they they can't express i mean people are it's that thing I always like writing about houses as well, that you're in super close proximity to other people, but people are so essentially just so unknowable. Even people that have been together in relationships for decade after decade, there's so dimensions of, of, of their inner experience that's absolutely unknown to the other person. In, in, my, in my opinion, you know, that to me, that's how it, that's how it works. So yeah it's i suppose yeah you're absolutely right i am drawn to people that are somehow on the on the periphery or people that are 
are isolated rather than people that are really well um well integrated it's funny it's funny though you know because sometimes people say oh they all the stories are so sad why can't you why can't you have one where you know everything works out and it's a really really um it's a really really happy ending um and i suppose i have i have written a couple of stories like that where the endings are are to me to my mind they're quite they're quite happy but um i don't know if they've been the most the most successful really i was i was kind of like struggling with how to word this question but i was i was talking to a friend from Derry who she writes and she was talking about actively trying to subtract the troubles from her fictional island when she writes mm -hmm. because a lot of that was happening in her youth and she said to be honest it was at best it was ambient and I was mm. wondering with you when you're writing how mm. you how you navigate the kind of recent history of the area that you live because it isn't to, to my reading it's not like you know really present in it but I, I didn't know how much of a consideration that was for you yeah, right. So I see that see that description you used there. The troubles were kind of ambient, right? I've never heard anybody say that before, but I love it, right? I I I love that as a description of how it might have been for for some for some people, kind of ambient. I suppose some one of the things that that um, I'm not make, I'm not saying that I'm sort of any kind of sort sort of super shrewd, astute political commentator or anything like that. But one of the things that's really clear to me is that. Nobody can ever say that there's this one kind of troubles experience. Um, so it depends so much on on where you're from, even within the same city. You know, it's deeply different experiences depending on different parts of the city and depends as well on your sort of, you know, your your your, your social class, sort of socioeconomic situation, all, all of that. Um, and so I kind of have always wanted to reflect that in the stories that in some ways there's kind of like a, a, a sort of a North of Ireland, Northern Ireland troubles deep structure in the sense that um, it will manifest itself in a lot of the stories just in terms of, um, you know, how this place operates it's kind of it's kind of sort of surreal quality there's that but there will be some stories which are absolutely full-on about the troubles and legacy issues and all the rest of it so you make a story like nostalgia which is a which is absolutely about a loyalist you know uh terror squad but then you get a story like um gil courtney it's utterly irrelevant that gil courtney is from belfast um, that's just not relevant to his to his story, as it were. Um, what's relevant maybe is the fact that he's maybe a little less middle class than the other people in in the band that he ends up being in. Um, say, for example, something like um, Mrs. Delisandro. It's not particularly relevant to Mrs. Delisandro um, conflict in 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 Northern Ireland. Whereas um, I'm just looking here. Um, you might have something in the first um you might have something in the in the first um collection um say for example to other jews where it is more it is more relevant in the sense that um we have got like a a, a paramilitary and you get paramilitary involved in extortion and that and that kind of thing so i suppose what i've done is it it just appears in different ways in in different in different stories 
depending on just who the um depending on who the the characters the characters are and say for example something like um the story um buildings from on you know it's the one where there's a gun discovered in the in the in the attic and yet that that's a gun but that's a gun that's nothing really to do with um paramilitaries whatsoever you know it's it's to do with sort of like a gang a gangster dimension in the city as opposed to anything to do with paramilitary so hopefully the thing is kind of quite nuanced and um the, the sort of political situation or historical um background is is dependent on the very particular characters and their own their own experiences wendy could you well could we talk about the choice of the epigraph yeah but how did you land on that in that is it in dance move the epigraph and dance move William, yeah basically what, what i was what i was thinking here sam is that um sometimes i i i am kind of a bit bemused by how my stuff is is perceived by people um and the idea of it being like these these sort of really nice little not nice stories i think that's wrong but maybe you know every day unassuming stories um people leading their unassuming little lives and so on and i kind of think right there's actually a super high body count here mathematics you know a woman is murdered um we've also got his mother's suicide we have got gloria max somebody's killed we've got loyalist death squads we've got sec you know we've got um children child exploitation we've got um coercion we have got you know marxist sales going on. i mean there there are many many people we've got we've got domestic abuse we have got murders and many of the stories um and so what i feel is that these are not these are not just people leading their unassuming little lives you know if you think all of that is like unassuming goodness i'd like to see where you what your day-to-day -day is if this is all unassuming um but i think that to counter to counterbalance all of that which is um all quite um all quite extreme what there also needs to be is a kind of a levity and there needs to be a kind of funniness and there needs to be a, a celebration as well of things in life that kind of you know beautiful and joyous and, and all of that and so i also hope that these are really really funny stories and i use the blake because it's that line a couple of lines where he's saying joy and woe are woven fine because that's what i'm hoping is going to be manifest in these in these stories if you've yet to read dance move or sweet home get them on top of the pile they're both huge recommends Thanks so much to Wendy for being such a great guest and look forward to speaking to you all soon with something suitably spooky.